like I could hold my phone in any position and still put my finger on the fingerprint sensor, you know? I guess I'd, I would just always lift it up so that way I could see it anyway, and so it would just automatically unlock. I usually hold it. I usually hold it down here, like I'm holding it right now. Like I always hold it down here. Like while you're driving and, and texting. I don't know. I just yeah. I just always. This is just always like the my natural phone holding position. So for me, like doing this is kind mm. of an extra step. So I've never gotten into facial recognition recognition because I always found it more inconvenient than I guess other people. Didn't really work the same way. No. Gotcha. Had a random thought. And this kind of leads into the topic that we're going to be talking about today. But the other day I was, I was thinking it was almost like a high thought. How do you think dad would be if he smoked weed? Hmm. I think he would probably get like super existential. You think so? I think he would, because he was already kind of like borderline, very spiritual, you know, like almost a hippie. And so I think he would probably... I don't know, start, start getting all, um, deep with people, you know? Yeah. Like you said, cause he could already kind of do that anyway. Mm-hmm. I feel like he would be freaking hilarious if you ever smoked weed, like if he was high. Yeah. And I, honestly, I think I would probably prefer that over smoking cigarettes that may have been better for his health. I know. Right. That's true. When he was working, and I think we're still both in grade school. He was just stressed out a lot. And I wonder if that would have helped, you know, just kind of calm him down and, and just be himself. That's true. Actually, you know, I take after dad pretty closely. And it's starting to kind of show, like, sometimes, like, I'll, you know, dad, we all know that dad had uh, his anger issues and whatnot. Mm. And I, you know, have inherited his anger. And sometimes my kids get to see that anger. Hmm. Interesting. So do you think you go from like zero to a hundred? Yeah, it depends. And the thing is like, you don't know what's going to set me off just like dad was, you know, like I could be fine. And all of a sudden like blowing up one thing. Okay. Yeah. So I've actually considered like once I'm not breastfeeding anymore, like thinking about trying out some, you know, weed products <laughs> to just kind of chill stuff on. with THC. Yeah, exactly. To That's like good. chill out. That's good. Um, and at first, like, my first thought was actually, I want to try it for my sleep. Okay. Um, but then I was also, like, I actually follow this mom who's very open about being a weed-smoking mom. And I don't think I'll smoke, like, I'd probably do, like, edibles or something, but... But, but um, you have in the past, right? You just, like, never yeah, fully... I no, I wasn't really into that feeling of getting high. Like, if I decided to try it now, like, it wouldn't be enough. I wouldn't want to try enough to, like, get high. I would just want to have enough to, like, relax. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure how you or Andrew felt about it. Like, is he against it or is he for it? Uh, well, he never has. Not once, like not smoked, not eaten anything. Never wanted to, but he doesn't have anything. Um, not really. It. I don't think so. I mean, he's had friends that are stoners and stuff. I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm not sure how you feel about me doing it. I haven't really like discussed it with him, hmm. but my, I have a friend who wants to get a Gandalf pipe so she could smoke weed out of it. <laughs> nice. And I asked Andrew if I could take a hit out of it just because it's a Gandalf pipe and he was totally fine with that. So that's cool. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I've always got the the sense that like you guys were, I don't know, you guys frowned upon smoking weed, but yeah. I could have sworn that you had tried it a few times in the past. I have. Yeah. I mean, when I was in high school and college, I did it a few times. Andrew never has, but he has friends that do and yeah. slash did and he doesn't care. And obviously like Carla and stuff like we love Carla and, and she grows it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and it's like Brenda smokes it regularly, um, and then I smoke it sometimes, like every now and then. So I don't know. I just like I wasn't sure if you guys were like mm, like if there was like a stigma around it, which I feel like is more of like an antiquated thinking. Mm-hmm. As we gotten older, I think people have become more lax on it, and it's become more acceptable. That's true. I did. Um, I didn't fully know enough a long time ago. Like when I was in high school, everyone around me who smoked kind of was a low life. Kind of fit that stereotype. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then when I went to college, I got to witness people who th- I called them. I think I called them like successful stoners or something like that. Oh, there's a term. It's um, high functioning stoners. High functioning stoners. Okay, yeah, because <laughs> they were like always high all the time, but you know, function normally through life or like even well, you know, like you couldn't you almost couldn't tell that they smoked. Yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty cool. And I, I actually think that would probably do do you a lot of good. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna knock it till I try it. I guess like it's I don't think there's a, any harm in trying it out, you know. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to Affliction Autos Podcast, episode 27. My name is Eric, and the other voice occupying your head this time is a proud mother of three, lab geek, my sister, and co-host Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to all the listeners out there for joining us. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. That also includes YouTube, where you can find us at Affliction Autos Podcast. So give us a like and subscribe. As always, new episodes drop on the first Saturday of each month, 5 a.m. Pacific. This is a monthly podcast where we mainly talk about films that range from mind-numbing to mind-blowing. We also cover TV shows or other forms of media. Lastly, we will be getting into spoilers here, and there will be only the healthiest amount of expletives tossed in. You have been warned. If you ain't ready, then get ready, because in this episode, we will be discussing the buddy cop action comedy 21 Jump Street, released in 2012, directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Man, I don't think I've ever heard of Phil Lord or Christopher Miller, but damn, are they geniuses. Same with you. I didn't really recognize the name so i had to kind of look them up and uh, christopher miller and phil lord are mostly known for the adult animated sitcom clone high which i've never seen and along with that they made two animated films one is the lego movie and the other one is cloudy with a chance of meatballs shut up yeah both of those movies are awesome you've seen the lego movie too heck yeah and you actually like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Oh my god, I freaking love Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Are you kidding me? You know my my Wi-Fi name at my house is called Cloudy with a Chance of Wi-Fi. Yeah, I'm just messing with you. I know you love that movie. I love that movie oh, too. Okay. Man, I was like, do, do you not know me anymore? <laughs> we didn't intend... I saw this movie with Andrew, and we didn't actually intend on seeing this movie because... Well, I don't. it wasn't our main goal, but we went to the drive-in. And it was during the summer, so they had the double feature thing going on. Mm-hmm. I take that back because they always have the double feature. But during the summer, because it gets dark, so I don't know, you can stay out later or whatever. Right. They have it where they show one movie, and then they show the second movie, and then they show the first movie again. So like you can actually show up like at the beginning of the second movie and still see both movies. They were showing it with Hunger Games. Ooh, nice. That's a pretty good yes. combo. And so we actually went to see it for Hunger Games. Which was the second feature. Yes. Okay. So they showed 21 Jump Street, and then they showed Hunger Games, and they showed 21, 21 Jump Street again. We saw 21 Jump Street first, 
and it was so fucking hilarious <laughs> that we almost stayed after Hunger Games to watch it a second time. Like Again? we started, like we, yeah, we got like a little ways into it where where before we were like, all right, let's just let's pack it up and go home. You know, you know, I didn't realize that you loved Twenty One Jump Street that much because I remember how into Hunger Games you were. I wasn't into Hunger Games from the first movie. It was the second movie that really got me in Hunger Games. You know, it, it had been hyped up so much that I think I was kind of like, eh. But Twenty One Jump Street, I thought was freaking phenomenal and it was hilarious i was dying the entire time and you're a big fan of jonah hill and channing tatum i don't think i would say i was i was a big fan of them um by themselves or at the time even together but they did great together i mean my opinion of channing tatum at the time and maybe still i don't know uh well at the time i had only ever seen him in a few roles where he kind of always played the same character (laughs) It was just it was just Channing Tatum. I guess one of I, mean, I guess another one of them was a comedy, but uh, she's she's, she's the man. man. That that one was a comedy. What's the line that uh, we always remember from "She's the Man"? <laughs> Where she gets hit, uh, you know, in the dick area by the soccer ball. <laughs> but of course, she has no dick, so she doesn't know how to react. And then all the guys are just like, "Oh, oh!" And then she's like, "Oh yeah, uh, oh!" And then she goes like, "It burns." <laughs> It burns. Like, she doesn't know what it feels like. She so doesn't she, know how it feels. That's just what she assumes it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good scene. I really like that one. That one always cracks me up. Same. So, 21 Jump Street was actually Christopher Miller and Phil Lord's first live-action movie, which is interesting because, you know, they're known for a lot of animated stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, when you think about it, watching the movie again, this movie still has a lot of elements that are inspired by cartoons yeah i could see that like some of the stuff is just so off the wall and ridiculous knowing that the the background that they came from it makes a lot of sense when i was paying attention to some of those scenes like when they do the uh the different stages of the drug yeah it kind of has like this like splash screen type of thing and it's like really colorful and vivid these are elements from cartoons and like the really exaggerated imagery and stuff like that yeah it was it was great and of course, um, Twin and Jump Street is a film adaption of a late 80s TV series of the same name, famously starring Johnny Depp early in his career. Yep. It's good that you mentioned that because I totally forgot. Were you ever interested in watching the TV show? No. So even after seeing this movie, you were, you were never curious as to like, hmm, I wonder if the show is just as good. No, I mean, I'm not into, I mean, I know that because the show wasn't a comedy. The right. show was serious. It was more dramatic. And yeah. I was, yeah, and I was never into like cop dramas since I knew that it was just like, you know, an 80s cop drama. It's not even like a 90s or a 2000s cop drama. And I'm not even, I'm not even into 2000s cop dramas. Why am I going to be into an old ass 80s cop drama, you know? <laughs> I'm glad that they, when they revamped it, they made it into a comedy because now there's interest. You know, I wonder if fans of the TV show never watched the movie and they just saw the trailers and were like, wow, they're making a fucking joke out of this. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go watch that. Well, those motherfuckers missed out. They missed out. They kind of needed to update it in a way that younger generations could actually enjoy it. Because if they just did like a, a faithful redo of the TV show, mm-hmm. then I don't think it would have really yeah. done as well. I think it would have been boring personally. Another, another reason, I think another reason that literally hit home for this for this movie for me is because i can't talk all of a sudden 
the two main characters, Schmidt and Janko, are exactly my age. Oh. They graduated high school in 2005, just like me, aging myself. I think the reason why I liked the Harry Potter movies as much as I did, and this is someone that didn't even read the books, but I don't know, I was just like really drawn to the movies was because the main characters, I was exactly Harry's age that his character was supposed to be. And then, you know, um, Hermione was a year younger and then Ron was a year older. So I was like right in that demographic. Like that was speaking to me perfectly. And I was growing up with the characters. Yeah, exactly. That's true. So being able to relate helps. So anyway, I mean, the movie starts off that way in 2005, right? With freaking Schmidt walking up. His hair's all bleached like Eminem. And I was like, oh my God, that was every guy I knew in high school, you know? <laughs> Wearing the big old ball chain. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like the, the really silver, big one in like, the baggy pants. Chain, yeah. yeah. Both of them, like Schmidt and Jenko in high school, you knew people that looked exactly like that. Oh, yeah. I don't actually, I don't think, I'm not sure if I knew anybody with hair as long as Janko's was in, you know, in that 2005 scene, but I definitely knew, you know, guys like him. Mm -hmm. it, it basically just does like a quick flashback at the very beginning. High school students, Hilarious. Morton Schmidt, played by Jonah Hill, and Greg Janko, played by Channing Tatum. They both miss prom, but for different reasons. So Schmidt, he didn't go because he got rejected and humiliated by a girl that he really wanted to go with. And also by Janko. Right, he right. Was there like, he's like, he's like, look at her, look at her, look at her, look at her, look at her. <laughs> <laughs> and then Janko was barred from attending due to failing grades. So yeah. they both couldn't go. And, you know, I mean, as a high school student, prom, I'm sure, was a, a huge deal. That was never a big deal for me when I was in high school because I didn't even go to high school. But... <laughs> For you prom was huge right of course i mean it's, it's huge for every senior and unfortunately for me it was kind of a downer because i was dating this guy at the time who did not go to my high school oh lamont no <laughs> yes that guy he was my age okay but no he was i was dating this guy that was older and he couldn't afford to come to my he couldn't afford to buy a ticket to come to my prom so i went by myself Ooh. i mean i went with like my friends or whatever but um my one of my best friends at the time her her boyfriend was younger i think he was like a junior or even a sophomore but he ended up surprising her there oh, and so okay. like they kind of went off together and then my other best friend who is aaron she had bronchitis like super bad that fucking sucks i, I my boyfriend couldn't come and then the moment i showed up at my senior prom i i don't know how i can't remember how it happened but i lost everybody i went with and i kid you not i spent the entire prom looking for my friends damn they just ditched you I, eventually i found aaron and she was really bummed out because she you know couldn't dance because it caused a coughing fit couldn't sing because she had no voice and so she was like sitting off in a corner crying somewhere and i found her and i was also bummed out because my prom was sucking so i cried with her and then we just kind of hung out but we got a hotel room afterwards and we threw an epic after party nice but the prom that really stands out to me is actually the prom that I went to when I was a sophomore. Um, Nadia was a junior, and so she took me as her date to her junior prom. I always thought you guys were the same age, but she was a year older. Like, she's only like two months older than me, but she wasn't a grade older than me. Right, so. right. Okay. So can you explain, like, what is the, the significance of prom to uh, high school students? Man, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of why it's so important. I guess it's supposed to be like the crowning event of your high school career, you know? Mm. 
the big thing that you go to to celebrate everything that you've achieved throughout high school, I guess. Right. It's like you put in all that hard work and it's like, now let's just have like this big bash to really send us off on our adult lives. Yeah. And everyone's supposed to go and everyone's supposed to look amazing and everyone's supposed to have a good time. So yeah, Jenko and Schmidt couldn't go to their prom and they're both bummed. I think Jenko more than Schmidt. (laughs) (laughs) It jumps up seven years and they soon become friends after uh, they kind of help each other out in different ways. So um, how long? Well, I just wanted to point out like when he first sees him, when Jenko first sees Schmidt in line, well, I don't know when they're signing up for police academy or something. And what did he say? He's like, not so slim shady. Damn. <laughs> He's like, holy shit, not so slim shady. What's up? <laughs> Were you sad that Janko lost his long hair, his long locks? No, he looked stupid with that hair. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank goodness. You'd rather go like buzz cut than the long hair, huh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so how do they help each other out during police academy? Well, Janko um, helps Schmidt get through the physical part, and Schmidt helps Janko get through the academic part. And that is how they become friends and help each other graduate. I really like how they play on the stereotypes here because later on, it kind of breaks the mold with that. So I think it, it kind exactly. of lures you into expecting that all oh, this movie is just going to follow the same tropes. Like, yeah, I guess that's part of what makes it so funny, huh? Exactly. Cause it, it does break the mold in a lot of ways. Like it, it's yeah. pretty self-aware in that regard. The big jock guy is usually dumb. And then you got like the nerdy loser kid who is smart. So then when they finally do graduate, you know, they're standing there and um, you know, he's <laughs> like, they, they announced like, Oh, the graduating class of, of 2012 or whatever it is and then Janko goes welcome to a lifetime of being badass motherfuckers and immediately cuts to them on their little bikes big shit eating grin on his face right he's just like hell yeah i can't wait and then just (laughs) cuts to them on those bicycles and looking all lame yeah hilarious so as rookie bicycle cops they're just patrolling a park or something right and they come across some one percenter bike gang i think they're actually called the one percenters like they have a big one percent and it says well i know that it's a term but i think that game the gang in the movie is actually called the one percenters and if i actually recall correctly there is a gang called the one percenters if you've ever watched sons of anarchy i think they have like that one percent shit like that yeah uh i didn't really pay that much attention because that show sucked <laughs> gonna need I, some fans for that one um i watched like the first three or four seasons and then well, I couldn't really watch it anymore because I was watching it when Julian was like a, a teeny tiny baby. Uh-huh. It got to a point where there's just like too much gun violence and it's just like shooting all the time, you know? Mm. And I was like, that's a, that's not what my, my baby needs to be hearing, right? All the time. Gunshots. Um, so I just, I, yeah. So it's like, I kind of stopped watching it uh, and I was like, oh, I'll just watch it when he's not around. But like, when are your kids never, not ever not around? Mm. But anyway, for those of you who don't know, uh, one percenter refers to the small percentage of bike gangs who are like actively violent and it's known that they're into criminal activity and they basically display it by wearing these <laughs> little one percent patches. You want to fuck with them? Yeah, I yeah. actually didn't know what that term was, so I, I looked it up and apparently um, some say that it was a quote spoken by William Barry who was the former president of the American Motorcyclist Association, AMA. And back in the 60s, where he said that 99% of all motorcyclists were law-abiding citizens. Oh. 
the implication is that the remaining 1% were outlaws. They weren't squares and they were immersed in like criminal activity, like you said. Yeah, exactly. So that is how they differentiate themselves. They actually bust one of those one percenters for drug possession. (laughs) So how does that go down? So, you know, they're, they're at the park and they're lamenting not being badass motherfuckers <laughs> and like you know some kids ask them like get the frisbee out of the pool out of the lake or whatever and they're like really you need to call the cops for this and stuff like that and i think janko like throws the frisbee like further into the lake or whatever <laughs> like go get it they're just going around doing what they need to do but you know being all bitter about being bicycle cops aren't they so bored that they're like flipping guns at each other yeah they're just like flipping their guns <laughs> And then at some point, I think Schmidt's like, um, oh, are we, are we supposed to take the bullets out or something? Oh, my God. <laughs> Idiots. So anyway, um, they see they see the biker gang over there. And I'm pretty sure, like, they weren't, you know, visibly doing anything illegal or bad or anything like that. But because they were just so dang bored and they were so bitter about not being not being more badass cops that they go over there and decide to start crap with them. Mm-hmm. And they got they start searching things and actually find drugs and then a chase breaks out. A chase in quotes. <laughs> yeah, and so uh Janko goes off on foot after one of them. Schmidt's on his bike chasing after like the old one with a beard or whatever. And then eventually he literally gets like eventually like they're they're about to they're running towards each other. Schmidt takes out his gun and he totally chokes and he's like stop i'm gonna shoot you i'm gonna shoot you and he never does and the dude literally like mows him down and just keeps running and as he's running away he's like pussy (laughs) and that guy's not running very fast at all by any means no no he's barely power walking can even yeah he can even like catch up to him on his bike so then janko is chasing down i think the black guy who's actually the leader Uh with the ipad (laughs) yeah and so he chases him down and eventually he finally like jumps off of something and tackles him right He's like, I got one, I got one. So they both go over there and he tells them, what is what does he tell him? He's uh he's he trying to read to, the Miranda he, rights. The Miranda rights and he he's fucks trying, it up. He's trying to say the Miranda rights. Yeah, and he's like, you know, you have the right to remain silent. I, I don't even think he gets that far. I think he's just like, You have the right to suck my dick, motherfucker. Oh, you're right, yeah. <laughs> like he, he doesn't he can't even get the first line. I think you're right, because well, because like when they end up in the when they I can't remember where where that comes up because when when they end up in the captain's office, oh that's right that's when he because that's when he's like yeah because he's like he's like you know Sam say say the Miranda rights and that's when they they say but yeah you're right like at the beginning he's just like yeah the right to suck my dick and and I love how Janko acts always accidentally says sexual things and doesn't realize it. <laughs> what does he say when when they're first talking to the to the gang? And he's like, I'm going to beat you off or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And then, and they're like, what? You're going to beat us off? <laughs> they're like, that's that's weird, dude. <laughs> or he says, I'm going to beat your dick off. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> he's like they're trying like, to sound what? hard. But yeah, it always comes off like, I don't know, like really sexual when he doesn't mean to. Yeah. And then Schmidt's like all trying to explain like, he means he's going to beat you so hard that your dick is going to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> You know, for their incompetence, um, I think the the guy that they arrested ends up getting let go because they didn't read the Miranda rights and they're getting like chewed out by their captain. Which is also hilarious. And and that's uh, Ron Swanson, right? Yeah, it is. And then, yeah. And then he's like, you know, he's like, do you even know the Miranda rights? 
you know, go ahead, tell me. And that's when he says, oh, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you can do will be held against you or whatever. And he's like, you have the right to be an attorney. And he's like, what? And Schmidt's like, well, you do have the right to be an attorney. What he's saying is not wrong. It's just not correct <laughs> in this context. Good stuff. They are reassigned to an old 80s operation headquartered at the address of 21 Jump Street, ran by Captain Dixon, played by Ice Cube. Who is also hilarious. Oh my god. Every scene he's in, I think he steals the scene. Oh yeah. Ice Cube is freaking hilarious. He is hilarious. And I love that the the site, 21 Jump Street, I don't know if it was like this in the show, but here, 21 Jump Street is a Korean church equipped with a Korean Jesus. I just love when when Schmidt's freaking out and he goes and prays. Mm-hmm. And, and Ice Cube comes out and he's like, leave leave Korean Jesus alone. He ain't got time for your shit or whatever. I don't even know how much I was tearing up during that scene when I first saw it. Because <laughs> he's just like, hey, hey. And he just like slams the window open. <laughs> and then, I mean, there's a the whole part where he's giving them their, their like mission or he's like assigning them. Uh-huh. Uh, no fucking the students or something like that. And then um, Schmidt's like, oh, I know we kind of look like some lady killers. And he's like, what do you call him, big titty? Motherfucker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Clearly, I wasn't talking to you, big titties. <laughs> yeah, that was freaking awesome, man. Ice Cube, his delivery <laughs> is just spot on. Oh, yeah. So funny. So Ice Cube, or uh, Captain Dixon, gives Janko and Schmidt their new mission, which is to infiltrate the Sagan High School by going undercover as high school students in order to contain the spread of a dangerous synthetic drug HFS, or holy fucking shit. <laughs> Infiltrate the dealer, find the supplier. Infiltrate the dealer, find the supplier. When Janko and Schmidt actually get to high school and they're trying to identify the different cliques, like, what'd you think of that? I thought it was hilarious because Janko was so so adamant about about one strapping it, mm-hmm. the backpack, only wearing it with, with one strap, and everyone's two strapping it, and Schmidt's like, I can't take it, I can't take it, I gotta two strap it, I gotta two strap it. The peer pressure. Yeah, those different clicks, though, I mean, I was trying to identify myself, and I was I like, know. What, so they had, like, what, the, the jocks, and the nerds, and whatever the fuck those guys were, <laughs> the goths, I think the, the, oh, what were they, like, the, like, anime, I don't know, like, Lolita kids or something? Huh. They looked very, uh, a Harajuku girls kind of situation, I think. Mm-hmm. So to get in closer with the main dealer, Eric, played by Dave Franco, Janko and Schmidt are forced to take the HFS in front of them. They don't even find out that it's Eric until Schmidt was in drama class. He sees the number on the back of the chair. If you want that, the drug, then call this number type of thing or text this number. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being, you know, Eric, the, the popular kid who is totally not a jock to uh Jenko's horror he didn't really fit into really any of those stereotypes he was just kind of like an environmentalist pretty boy do you feel like in a lot of ways things that you were kind of embarrassed about being into when you were in high school are actually cool now yes which is very odd right exactly i was a huge closet comic reader in high school yeah but you didn't want to let anyone know no, and so of course I didn't because I didn't want to let anybody know. Like my comics were all free online comics that I would find, mm. and like I wasn't out like buying comic books and stuff. So that was, I guess my my gateway into nerdiness. And then <laughs> when I was in college, become being nerdy started becoming cool. 
and that was when I was able to get more into like more mainstream comics and stuff. Right. Because it was more socially acceptable, I suppose. It's almost like had you been a few years younger, you would have been in the middle of all of that, you know, and you could have rode that wave along with everyone else. And that's exactly the point that Schmidt was trying to make mm -hmm. is that he was just a little behind or, you know, a little too early. Exactly. But also at the same time, I think it took people like you to pave the way to, to be the trailblazers. You're welcome, y'all. If you guys weren't secretly into it and then like passed it down to like siblings or children or whatever, then uh -huh. that generation wouldn't have been as into it. That's true. Well, I'm glad it worked out that way. <laughs> like for me, um, the thing, the nerdy thing I was into that no one was when I was in high school was photo editing. It was just like a, a hobby, right? Like Photoshop, stuff like you that. You were so good at it, though. It was a lot of fun. And I still enjoy doing stuff like that now. But nowadays, anyone can do photo editing. Everyone makes memes on the fly. You know, everyone has that ability. Whereas like back then, if you're just on the computer editing photos and adding captions and stuff, like you're a nerd straight up. That's true. Side note related to that, you know how like sometimes they'll show how they CGI things in movies like, you know, it'll show how they filmed it where it's like nothing and it'll show how they put in layer after layer and suddenly there's like an, an exploding plane in the sky or whatever, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Right. Mm -hmm. If I wasn't a scientist, I'd want to be doing that. Really? Have you ever seen, did you know that sometimes, I don't know if you knew this, but did you know that sometimes I restore old photos? No, I had no idea. So when did that start? I don't know. Well, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've dabbled with Photoshop for a while now. I was, I started dabbling with it in college and I've just kind of kept up with Photoshop here and there, like doing little things. I'm not like super good at it, but I think if I had time, I would want to like take some classes and get really good at it. That's cool. Yeah. I think there's a lot of options now, whereas like maybe it was more niche back then. So Jenko and Schmidt, they discovered that Eric is the one that is kind of dealing it out to the school, low key, the yes, popular kid. Yes. And he forces them to take HFS in front of them or in front of him. To so, that, make sure. so that he knows they're legit. Exactly. And then so <laughs> their plan is like, cool, we'll just pop it now and then we'll just go throw it up immediately after. <laughs> Which does not work. It, that doesn't go as planned either. So they're like the scene where they're like in the stall fingering each other's mouths and <laughs> and he's just like, I'm sorry, sometimes I can't. Is it me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Not long after that, though, it starts kicking in because obviously they weren't able to throw it up. And uh -huh. so they're in the hallway and they get stopped by the coach and they start tripping balls in front of them. But they're trying to play it cool as much as possible. And this is where I can see a lot of the cartoon imagery come into play as well. Yeah, because they're the like the way they're visualizing like the coach's head turning into ice cream or whatever and Yeah, cuz he turns into almost like an animatronic like cat or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Every time it flashes back to the coach, their point of view changes, so it's like now his head is gone and it like turns into this fucking like weird ice cream like melting ice cream cone. Yeah. So I don't know how you feel about that actor, but I've always felt that he just has such a punchable face. He does. He is so annoying. <laughs> like anything I've seen him in, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but man, like he always plays these asshole characters. And every time you see him, you just want to like punch him in the face. Oh, yes. For no reason. Just unwarranted. I completely agree. I like his dynamic with the brothers because, well, brothers in quotes, but um, yeah. he thinks so fondly of Janko 
and then he always puts down Schmidt like just constantly, right? Yeah. When he imagines the coach being the ice cream, he's like trying to like lick him, you know, just like he's like flicking his tongue, like trying to like lick the ice <laughs> yeah. cream that he's imagining. And so the coach is like, I don't like that. Put your tongue back, put back that, in put, mouth. Put that away. Forcefully stuffing, trying to stuffing it in the tongue back into his mouth with his fingers. <laughs> Janko's like doing that like wave with his tongue, and he's just like, actually, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Uh, Janko can do anything and that coach thinks it's awesome. Not fair. Oh, they actually fuck up while they're on the drugs and they get each other's identities mixed up, right? No, they do that uh, when they first end up in the principal's office, like at the very beginning. Because I remember like the coach even comments on it because like one is the star athlete and he's just like, he assumed it's Janko and then Schmidt is the one that's like, no, actually that's me. And he's like, really? You're the, you're the track runner and you're the yeah. And that's when they realize, like, oh, shoot, like, we mixed them up. Of course, like, right out the gate. <laughs> they can't even get each other's identities, right? Yep. Oops. So because of that, they have to actually swap classes now to kind of yes. keep up with their their mix-up. And so Schmidt is going to drama class and Jenko's going to, like, biology or something like that. AP, uh, what was it, app chem? chem? Yeah, that's right, chemistry. It's supposed to be AP chem, but he keeps calling it app chem. App. <laughs> <laughs> this is where um, Janko starts to kind of, I don't know, he, he becomes friends with the the nerdy kids. He's like starting to become cool with them. Yeah. And then uh, Schmidt is, he's actually starting to be interested in this girl, Molly, played by Brie Larson. Mm -hmm. There's this quote that Brenda and I will kind of reference regularly. And it's that part where Janko's trying to pretend like he doesn't need help on the class assignment. And they're just like, do you need help or whatever? And he's like, no, fuck you. I know everything. <laughs> and then, you know, he actually gives him, he. He's like, fine, tell me the, you know, kind of quizzes he, him. Yeah. Yeah. A covalent bonds or something like that. I like how he's just like, he's like, no, fuck you. I know everything. And he just like doesn't answer the question. But then he turns around and he's like, so uh, what kind of bullshit do they say about covalent bonds at this school? <laughs> Like trying to, you know, just trying to downplay it or whatever, but he like actually needs help. Yeah. Brenda and I kind of reference that regularly, but just like out of context. So we'll apply it to other things. Let's say if she got a um, burrito or something, I'm like, so what kind of bullshit do you say about burritos in this bag? <laughs> and we just always apply it to just random things. Nice. That's hilarious. What did you think of just the dynamic between Schmidt and Molly? Because I, I don't know, I felt like that was kind of weird that he would be super into this high school girl i mean i don't know if they ever mention it but i'm hoping that she was at least an adult to make it slightly less weird like she's already 18 or whatever but still that would make him because how far removed would he be like 24 or 5 something like that yeah because he well the 2012 it was like yeah, seven make years him 25 late. yeah it's a little weird um i know that when you're an adult age isn't as big of a deal but i think when you're still fresh out of high school it's still those rules still kind of apply in a sense yeah i think once you reach 21 it's not as big of a deal but if you're like 18 fresh out of high school or, or like still in high school it's a little weird uh, yes it is it is a little weird to get close enough to eric they devised the plan the genius plan of throwing this huge party at schmidt's parents house while they're away <laughs> Well, they get the parents to go away. And they're hoping that by devising this awesome, dope party that Eric will eventually show up. What does a dope party need? Booze. A lot of booze. And, uh, and drugs. <laughs> I like how they go to the, the evidence locker and they're like, yeah, they're like hey, they're we got like, some cocaine. 
No, we're not trying to ruin their we're lives. We're trying to show them a good time, not ruin their lives. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, he grabs that like kilo of weed or whatever, and he's just like, "Hell yeah, yeah let's go!" <laughs> oh no, I hope they they're like, "Oh, we got to go get some booze." I, I hope I hope they take our fake IDs, and then they just start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it looked like they threw a damn good party. I mean, I've been to some house parties and kickbacks and stuff like that, and. Um, I don't think I've ever been to one like that because that's like your typical like almost frat house type of party. I have actually thrown a party or two like that when I was back when I was in high school. I remember there was this one time where we threw a really good one and it was at our friend's house. I won't name her name, but that friend and my best friend at the time, Cece and I, we all got matching corsets from Victoria's Secret and that's what we wore to host that party that night. God, I swear you were there, actually. That wasn't um, Ryan Reynolds' house, was it? Yes, it was. <laughs> okay. You remember that one? Yeah. That was a pretty good party. It was. That was that was actually a really good party. I got pretty faded at that party. Was that your first time? No. No, okay. definitely not. But um, I think that was the, the one that I felt the most comfortable at because... I knew you and uh-huh. I knew a lot of your friends already. Like That's your circle true. of friends were all there. And so pretty much anywhere I went in the party, I was around someone I knew. That's a good point. I'm glad you were happy at that party. <laughs> yeah. That was a pretty nice house too. Wasn't it like up in the hills, yeah. like overlooking yeah, exactly. the city? Yeah, because her her parents were, I don't know, doctors or something. Pretty well off. Yeah, something like that. Back to uh, Schmidt's party. The thing that I find hilarious, not so much the party, but the house, because they are so typically white, it cracks me up. Like, for example, the fact that the first thing that you see when she opens the door when they get there is that she is freaking wearing so much turquoise. Oh, and she yeah. has all this Native American stuff all around her house. And I'm like, dude, that is like every middle age to like retirement age white home that i know of because i don't know why that generation just loves native american decor there's like that big focus on schmidt's baby photo which i think isn't that like a real photo of jonah hill i wouldn't be surprised at all and that that's hilarious i love how everyone's like dude you look like fred savage or whatever (laughs) he does but yeah it's so i mean that also is a I feel like such a like typically white thing to like have an embarrassing naked picture of your child that's too old to be naked like somewhere on the wall, you know? Right, exactly. I love when actors will actually bring personal photos and include them in the movie. Like I just think that adds a, a nice comedic touch. It adds to the authenticity of it. Yeah, exactly. You know how I was saying that the party that you threw didn't have any drama or anything like that, but that's not the case for this party because this party kind of gets out of hand. So Eric shows up, they jack the phone and Jenko takes it to his nerdy friends upstairs who are like trying to hack into it. Yeah. And they do that on purpose to cause the distraction, right? I think at some point he's thinking about leaving. And so he's just like, Oh no, no. He's like, you know, he can't leave. And so he stays because that kid that he doesn't like from like a rival school. Oh yeah. And so they get in each other's faces and then a fight breaks out. Schmidt's kind of getting his ass whooped. And then Jenko jumps in and starts kicking everyone's ass. Yeah. I almost feel bad because some of those kids, Jenko was like whooping their ass. And I'm like, these are like teenagers that you're beating up, dude. True. And then that scene, hey, when did I get stabbed? (laughs) 
when did he get stabbed that was definitely some sort of like native american knife thing right and then i love how like he becomes even more popular for it and they're like pouring alcohol on it and ripping it out and from a girl's point of view is that hot like if you get stabbed at a party and you just keep on partying is that hot uh <laughs> i not to me i guess like i've never personally been in that situation right <laughs> But it's like, it seemed like Molly was into it. She wasn't hating it. Uh, whatever. She, instead of taking him to the hospital, they're like, Yeah, just pour some, pour some booze on it and yeah, pour some whiskey and we're good. And, and grin and bear it, I guess. But I feel like, you know, in this movie, everything Schmidt does is cool to those kids. Yeah. In a way, it's kind of similar to how Jonah Hill's character was in Superbad because he's the one that shows up with like the tied detergent dispenser full of alcohol and right. he's like the of the party and he's like the cool one yeah eric is so impressed with how schmidt handled himself and for throwing a banger of a party so he invites schmidt over to hang out at his house with uh his crew for a kickback right just like a little chill like get together and we find out that eric has this like lavish house and he's his family's pretty well off it shows what Jenko's doing at the same time and they're all like rocking out singing some nerdy rock song and then it switches to Eric and he's like singing some like emotional song about about environmentalism very different dynamics so they activate the app that they input on Eric's phone when they hacked it and so now they can actually turn on the microphone and listen in on what's going on over there slick Schmidt because you know he's an older he's trying to fit in and he feels that he needs to throw Jenko and his nerdy friends under the bus to make him seem cooler yeah and then he starts talking talking shit about Jenko which is sad because Jenko hears it all and then his nerd friends are like dude your brother's kind of an asshole and Jenko's all sad he's just like yeah I think part of it was his feelings were hurt but I think more than anything he was just disappointed in him because Janko would expect himself to do something like that, but he always right. felt that Schmidt had more was above that. Yeah. yeah, like he was he was just more true to himself and he felt like he didn't really need to be anyone else to impress anyone else. He was always just who he needed to be. Yeah, I mean, that's debatable because he did slim shady his hair. Just saying <laughs> <laughs> that could have just been a like a, a poor trend choice. Yeah, but uh, also I think um, it's it's very clear at this point that he isn't just doing this for the case. He's getting too deep into it, you know? Personally invested. Janko's still, yeah, Janko's still mostly, I mean, obviously he's like friends with the nerds and stuff like that, but he's still focused on, you know, getting the evidence and, you know, he's tapping the phone to, to get the evidence for the case and stuff like that. But, you know, Schmidt's like li reliving his high school failed life. And he's leaning into this relationship with Molly. Like Molly's physically attracted to him and she is hoping that Schmidt asks her to the prom. Schmidt is, you know, he's kind of clamming up and he's getting all nervous and stuff because he's reliving that PTSD. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, poor Schmidt, but at the same time, you don't fuck no teachers. You don't fuck no students. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what he actually called uh, Janko. He He's like, that means you, pretty boy McGee or something like that. Or handsome McGee. Yeah. Oh, fucking Ice Cube, man. <laughs> kind of touching for Schmidt because he actually musters up the courage to 
kind of ask Molly to the prom and she accepts. Yeah. Now he just needs to learn how to shoot. <laughs> I love that, though, because he obviously knows how to shoot because it's funny when Eric, you know, kind of brings them in or whatever. After, well, this is after the Peter Pan debacle, so I guess we should talk about that first. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. The, the big play. While they're tripping balls, Schmidt has, like, this awesome performance as the lead, and so he gets he cast a, yeah. as Peter Pan. It's a, he has an awesome audition, audition, yeah, and he he just goes in there, like, you know, full confidence, like, fuck yeah, motherfucker, and um, he, you know, he gets in there and sings his high little heart out and gets the lead, Peter Pan, and, of course, Molly is uh, Wendy. Oh, God. <laughs> um, have we mentioned at this point that Eric uh, decides that he trusts schmidt and brings him in brings him on to deal yeah i think that was at the the party or the little hangout at his his house yeah and then of course you know he just takes his drugs to ice cube and ice cube just gives him the money or whatever so that he can keep up that facade get that money you know what's his face the the supplier is trying to expand his his territory his his reach Mm -hmm. and so he Schmidt's about to go on for his first show in 30 minutes and Janko overhears Eric setting up a deal. Yeah. Go and follow him. And it turns out it's the one percenter gang. Oh, really quick before we get into that. I freaking love the dynamic between Janko and his teacher. Oh my God. That's so, she's so weird. She obviously has issues of her own. Just saying. Yeah. Ellie Kemper, dude, she's freaking hilarious. Hilarious. She's like almost just like so smitten by him. You know, as soon as she, she's like taking roll call and she's just like, like, uh, Brad, big (laughs) Brad or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) She's all saying like under her breath. Yeah. He's trying to get out of class so he can go pursue the, he's doing his, uh, his little poem, his, uh, chemistry, chemical element or chemical, whatever it is poem like an exam no he's wearing the jacket thing remember and like everyone has to do like a poem about a specific like chemical as a scientist i should know what these are called when he's trying to get out of class that's when he just kind of like breezes through the test and he's just like i gotta go take a shit or something like that oh yeah and so she's just like oh well okay well uh, i guess i'll you know it's frowned upon but i'll I'll go ahead and give you a pass let's make this a quickie and she's like oop, and like bends over the desk and everything oh my god terrible it's funny back then but i feel like that is much more of a serious issue now yeah i I agree yeah a lot of things that would fly back then or even before that like don't fly now you know it was hilarious when like they're at the prom and she's like what are you doing here you're not supposed to be here you need to leave no stay you gotta go stay you know (laughs) like going back and forth i i loved every time they were in a scene together it was freaking hilarious but yeah so he gets out of class and then um Schmidt needs to get out of that play so that way they can go uh, pursue that deal that's about to go down. Full costume. And then their car is booted, so they have to take the driver's ed car with the brake on both sides. Yeah, they just jack it. The instructor doesn't even care. He's like, they don't pay me enough to worry about this yeah, shit. Yeah, yep. So they, yeah, they actually spy on him, but then when they're almost caught, he's just like, he's like, here, just... Uh, lay down and pretend like you're sucking my dick or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Why do I have to be the one to, to pretend like I'm sucking your dick? And he's like, he's you're like, the one wearing the Peter, Peter, Pan, Peter Pan costume. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah. 
So they're telling the one percenters and then they get in that argument and they actually run into one of them. Schmidt's trying to get too close and Janko's like, drop back, like drop back. And so he steps on the brake and then Schmidt is gunning the gas. And then when Janko lets go, he fully hits one of the one percenters. It's easy top. <laughs> and he's all like jumping on the hood of the car and like cursing him out. And he pulls the, the student driver sign off the top and is like hitting the car with it. Yeah. I didn't realize how big that dude was until it showed him next to the car. Yeah, you don't remember when he knocked down, he he fully knocked down uh, Schmidt in the park? Yeah, he just plows him over. Um, dang, so then a chase ensues and they keep like, do, they keep doing things. Like they're shooting at each other and they're jacking car after car. And I love when they, they take the, the beetle and uh, Jayco's like helping her out of the car and he's like, damn, you find a shit. Someone's going to pick you up. And she's like, thanks, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all those uh, false explosions. Yeah, like they every anytime they think that something's going to explode like when what was it like the the gas they they shoot up a gas ta- gas truck and then it like lights on fire and the fire goes all the way to the tank and it doesn't explode. And then finally what like what was it when uh it was like a chicken truck? Yeah. The bike like slides into the chicken truck and the 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 chickens explode. <laughs> Oh my god. That's the one that finally exploded. And they're just like, really? That's what exploded? Yeah. Everything else, like, they're just like, huh, I really thought that would have really blown up. Yeah, I thought that was going to blow up. <laughs> Even the music was, like, all suspenseful, and then it just, like, cuts out. <laughs> Jenko and Schmidt eventually begin to butt heads by the end of the chase scene, and so they get away <laughs> after that explosion, but then this is where that fight breaks out on stage, and it was freaking And this is where you see, like, how deep schmidt has put himself in it how much he feels like he needs this i guess because he goes as far as like yeah because like the plays already started and he goes as far as like going up there mid-scene and you know trying to shoo the understudy off the stage and stuff like that and i'm like dude if like the show's on like this is just ruining it but he just had to have it himself so hard that he would ruin the show to to try and take it back and then he goes out there and he like hooks himself up to the harness and stuff mid-flight Jenko comes in and like jumps off one of the the fake <laughs> rocks nowhere. and tackles in midair just completely ruined the entire show which of course molly hates schmidt for She's but the entire audience loves it this is the most exciting peter pan has ever been i think it's hilarious how the director someone was like shouldn't we stop the fight and he's just like actually yeah, let's see how this plays out and then once uh the fight starts to kind of like settle back to the ground they pull the curtains and he's just like thank you you know and uh that was act two and so he's all trying to play it off like that was part of the show yeah but as a result they get expelled which is like the number one rule of 21 jump street yeah i mean that's your whole job so if like there's no yeah. job then it's like what do if you're, they if you're you? expelled then yeah you can't you can't be in there infiltrating everything so they so they go into Ice Cube's office and he's just quiet, which is very unlike him. And they're like, "You're not even gonna, you're not even gonna yell at us." And he's like, "No, I'm just gonna fire you." Want mm-hmm. want. So Dang, sad. I did feel like around the time the chase scene was happening and the stage fight, I felt like this part of the movie started to kind of drag a little bit. Like it, it seemed like it really slowed down because it was just nonstop from the very beginning, and then by this point. I would be fine fast forwarding, but I watched it all the way through. Well, I mean, the part where they're like mad at each other, you know, of course things slow down because it's dramatic or whatever. Yeah, there's not a lot happening. And what lead do they get that that sends them going to prom again? I don't even remember. 
So that's when Eric, he's oh, like stressed right. out about that situation with the biker gang. So, yeah, so he hires like, Schmidt yeah. because it's personal security guards. And so they have to go to prom. So they're, they're all right. getting ready and stuff. But then the mom's like, you need to do your chores first. So they're all in their suits. Mowing the lawn, mowing taking, the lawn out the and taking out the trash. Um, but it's still playing that heroic music in the background. Yeah. So they get ready for prom, you know, Kevlar'd out and guns stashed everywhere. And then I love when like Eric gives them guns and he's like, all right, uh, let's see how you shoot. And then they both, they're both just like, mm, okay. And then they just shoot all the, the cans and bottles, like no problem. So, you know, you see that Schmidt can shoot. Oh yeah, that's true. When he's not under pressure, he can. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, they did it in Academy all the time, you know, but then Eric's all impressed. Like, oh my God, where'd you guys learn that? Yeah. that That's great. You guys just do that. <laughs> yeah. So then they go and they meet up. They go to the hotel and they that's when they are introduced to the supplier who is what's his face? I don't even remember his name, that douchebag. The teacher. Coach. Yeah. Mr. Walters. Ah. I don't know the actual actor's name, but I think the character's name yeah. is just Mr. Walters. Okay. Well that's what you have in your notes, so we'll go with that. <laughs> and then, you know, of course, they're you know, they're about to to do another deal with the one percenter, so they show up and they're trying to hide their faces because they don't want to get recognized by them. So they're trying to kind of like look the other way, you know, they're, they're eventually like, who are these, who are these two idiots or whatever. And they turn and <laughs> they do like the fake fry commercial. Like, Oh, you probably recognize me from the fry commercial. I was in when I was a kid and they sing the fake song. Yeah. That jingle. But it's Molly who <laughs> outs them because Schmidt's dumbass told her the truth about his identity while she was on drugs. And so she's Oof. banging on the door. Yeah. He has a guilty so conscience. She's banging on the door. Like, I know you're in there, you dirty cops or whatever she says. And then she finally somehow beats the door open and completely outs them. And so they pull out their guns, like, put your hands up, you know, police, put your hands up, you know. Two of those biker gang members are like pointing their guns at Schmidt and Janko. And then who do those two bikers uh, turn out to be? It turns out that they're undercover. Original 21 Jump Street. Oh, shit. So it's Tom Hansen, played by Johnny Depp. And Doug Penhall, played by Peter DeLuise, from the original 21 Jump Street TV show, which none of us have ever yes. seen, but it's still exciting to yeah, see for, them. <laughs> for those, for the, you know, three actual fans of the original show that were in that theater, they were super excited to see this cameo. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool, because, I mean, at least it, it felt like that there was this... Uh, cult following just for johnny depp alone just like the actor you know so anything he was in people were all about so it was cool for them to see a cameo by a big actor like that but then those two immediately get shot down which is sad i was i was a little sad after all their years i know infiltrating that gang but i think it was supposed to be i think it was supposed to be funny you know yeah those two guys like spilling their guts to each other in their last moments and making confessions and apologies that were probably complaints about the original show that we didn't know about because we never watched it. Yeah. It was probably symbolic of that show being dead and this movie being the new 21 Jump Street. (laughs) You were at my sister's wedding. (laughs) With the death of the two characters, the two DA agents, is that they're uh, spilling their, their hearts out to each other, like how you're saying. You know, there's that shootout going on, so Janko's busy firing back. And then Schmidt is kind of just like peering around the corner and he's witnessing the two DEA agents, you know, say their final words. And I think Mm -hmm. from that point on, that's when he's able to like fully realize how much of a a brother that Janko is to him. Oh, yeah. 
And then he gets one more opportunity to shoot a guy and he just throws the gun at yeah, him. Yeah, he doesn't even he he aims for like a second, he's just like, nah, and just throows it. Dumbass. Um Molly just like falls unconscious and in the arm of Mr. Walters, and so he just like Well, that's the a sleepiness. And he flees. So Mr. Walters, uh-huh. the unconscious Molly, and Eric all flee. Janko and Schmidt have to go pursue them. I thought they would have just left her ass, but he's he's like carrying her right. under his arm. Yeah, well, he takes her as a hostage. And then very intense limo chase scene ensues. Which is hilarious because they just get in a random limo and there's some random drunk girl in there. And she's like, woo, I'm here to party. Always wanting to like stick my head out of the uh, the sunroof or whatever. Yeah, and then she's trying to suck his dick for no reason. And just like general, <laughs> general stereotypical drunk high school girl sluttiness. Jenko's trying to shoot and then like she's like trying to mm-hmm. unbutton his belt. And he's like, no, stop it. Stop. She's like, I'm trying to party. Don't they eventually just like dump her on the street yeah. or something like that? And she's like, call me. <laughs> she probably has no idea what the hell. She's was- not going to even remember this tomorrow. Yeah. So Schmidt is driving, right? Uh-huh. Because it's like the limo. It's the, the biker gang dudes. The limo with uh, Molly and Mr. Walters. And then the limo with uh, Janko and Schmidt. And the at some point, Janko ends up making the, like, the Molotov cocktail thing. And he's like <laughs> explaining like all, how the chemical how it works chemically and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And then doesn't he like throw it and it doesn't explode? I thought it did. I thought it was delayed though. Yeah. I think then it does explode. And then they, uh, and then that car runs into some sort of like propane station or something. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. And then up. that explodes. And then you see like the burnt up bodies of the biker dudes, <laughs> which is kind of messed up. Yeah. They got ejected from the car huh? and So they're like out. In the yeah. Street. So they're dead. <laughs> and then of course, yeah, Mr. Walters comes out holding Molly as a as a shield, and um, he shoots, try, sh- tries to shoot Schmidt since he doesn't like him, but Janko takes the bullet <laughs> because he doesn't like him. And the thing is, Mr. Walters is so upset by the fact that he thought he killed Janko. He's just like, "No, I wasn't trying to shoot you. I was trying to shoot the other one." That's <laughs> messed up. What's important about this is that. Jenko has been doing all the shooting this entire time, right? Yeah. And so now that he took the bullet, it's up to Schmidt to kind of finish it off. And so yeah. he's just like, he's like, come on, man, I believe in you. During the whole time, Molly has to fight her own way out because they're taking so damn long. <laughs> right. Like elbows them or punches them and then like flees. And so yeah. that's when uh, Schmidt has to muster up all the courage to be able to pull that trigger. And shoot him. It, it, he does. Right in the dick. <laughs> it wasn't in the the spot that you would expect, but, you know, he still shot him. Yep. Ooh, I hear babies crying. We're almost there. We're almost there. That's right. So I thought this was, well, first of all, he shoots him. Yay. Next, they, they handcuff him and they read the Miranda rights correctly. Yay. Heroic too, right? That camera's doing like a little panning shot and they're like yeah, both they're doing the it Miranda together. Yeah. Which is great. And I love the part where he's like on his knees with his hands handcuffed. And he's like, there's my dick, dick, someone pick up my dick. Come on, someone pick up my dick, my dick. And then everyone's like, no, I'm not fucking touching that. And so he's like trying to get it with his mouth. Yeah, pick it up with his mouth and he's, it's not working. Even before that, like when they're handcuffing up and, and one of them, I think it's Schmidt, he's like, hey, is that your dick? And he's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was dying when I heard that. <laughs> So good. He's just a high-pitched squeal. <laughs> uh, 
I, I love that part. Even though it's like so over the top, that was just like the icing on the cake. So then things start wrapping up. Uh, Schmidt finally gets the girl. Mr. Walters and Eric are both taken into police custody, right? Uh-huh. Schmidt does get a kiss from Molly, although I don't think they ever get together. I think it was just like a like a thank you. Janko and Schmidt are congratulated and reinstated into the Jump Street program where Captain Dixon now assigns them to college. College. <laughs> and I don't know if you uh you watch, you know, all the stuff in the credits and whatnot and Oh yeah, I forgot there's like little uh end credit scenes. Yeah, where Janko finally nails the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That was ridiculous. Yeah. See, again, like that, it's funny because I think like we're able to see it from the perspective of when the movie came out. Yeah. But looking at it now, you're just like, that's inappropriate, you know, teacher-student relationship, even though he wasn't really a student. So technically yeah. it's, it shouldn't be that weird, but still. Yeah. But like considering that he was supposed to be a high school student and nobody was supposed to know that he was not a high school student. It's weird. Before we wrap, I was just gonna say, I wonder if he stayed friends with the nerdy dudes. I don't know. Because they don't really reference that in the, the sequel, huh? Like, they Definitely don't make not, a cameo yeah. or anything? Yeah. Hmm. Probably not, to be real. It would have been funny, though, if, like, he yeah, he actually did keep up with them. Or if they help out at some point with something right. that requiring some real technical prowess. That would have been, been kind of cool. cool. Yeah. That is a wrap on 21 Jump Street. If you made it to the end of our podcast, then you just got your dick shot off. <laughs> what? My dick! <laughs> that's my dick that's my dick <laughs> man uh any final thoughts or closing comments i just have to say that definitely watching hunger games after that was a huge downer wow yeah i mean you know it's kind of like a depressing situation and then also rue yeah i guess so like so you couldn't really like separate the two it was hard it was definitely hard. Do you think that Hunger Games would have done better if you just went and saw that by itself without 21 Jump Street? You mean in my mind? Um, yeah. Possibly. I definitely still like the series, and of course, uh, especially number two. So even if I wasn't that into number one, I was still super into the series. But definitely hilarious movie. Uh, still like 99% holds up to today. I was going to say, I because when I first saw it, I freaking loved this movie, but I... Seeing it now, I, w I don't think that it was as funny as I thought it was, or as I remember uh -huh. it being, but there are definitely a lot of scenes that still hold up really well. I was definitely cracking up, and then I remember, like, I was watching it, and then Andrew um, was watching bits of it with me, and, like, I'd be cracking up, and he'd be like, yeah, I remember I was dying at this part kind of thing. Like, he would just kind of uh, mention, like, oh, yeah, I remember I was dying at this part. But he wasn't but as he wasn't it. now, yeah. But I was still pretty... I still laugh at most of the parts. Yeah. And, you know, maybe part of the reason why I wasn't as funny as I remember is because the scenes weren't a shock to me. Like, I was expecting that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the first time you see it is probably going to be the funniest because it's all new, you know? Right, right. And boy, was I cracking up at everything the first time I saw it. I don't know what it was about this movie specifically, but I really found Brie Larson to be super attractive in this movie i don't know why because i'm not typically attracted to brie larson in her movies but for this movie specifically like even in uh scott pilgrim i wasn't really attracted to yeah Envy adams man i think Envy adams is hot i think she plays more of like that like down to earth girl next door type of role right. and i thought yeah. she was really cute in this movie and uh yeah she was a lot more fake hot in uh scott pilgrim and i am super into fake hot so 
Mm. Brie Larson even looked a little bit chubbier than she normally does. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that like took anything away from her. I was thinking that too, actually. What were your funniest moments, would you say? The ones that were just like the best parts? Dang, that is difficult. Definitely Korean Jesus, for sure. That's a classic. Ice Cube. In any scene. In any scene, pretty much. Janko and Schmidt fingering each other's mouths for me. <laughs> um, oh, man, when they're high. That's oh, yeah. So we didn't even talk about when he did, did the track meet. Oh, that's right. Handing off the batons, right? Yeah, and then he just throws it. No, don't do that, you idiot. <laughs> I think he probably disqualified everybody in that whole meet. Because yeah. I think it was, a real, it was supposed to be a real meet. Oh, wow. Because there were other, like, other, other schools there. So he, like, really, like, destroyed that meat. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, I like the part where they're, like, they're getting the drugs from the evidence locker. We're trying to show them a good time, not ruin their lives. I totally forgot about this scene, too, but this was one that I freaking loved. And that's when Schmidt tosses that older lady into the pyramid of shoeboxes. Oh, yeah. Like, she was his, all like, Schmidt! Or whatever it is, yeah. He's like, no, shut, 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 shut the fuck up. <laughs> he, he's, like, trying to close her mouth. She that that dumbass bitch. She's like, I heard you're undercover. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah. <laughs> um, are you uh, watching anything, film or TV? Dang, we just started the new season of the last season of Mrs. Maisel, which we're a little behind. Oh, I didn't even know you were into that. Brenda and I. Oh my god, that it. show is so good. Yeah. Well, it was. Was the season not as good? That's what I heard. No, actually, this one is pretty damn interesting, only because they jump timelines the first scene with her uh extremely smart daughter or whatever right right so i think season one was excellent and then what is it what is this one season five the four i think four no maybe you're right i think the middle seasons are kind of whatever but this one Uh was on par with season one in my opinion oh cool i'm excited to see it then because we just we just started we're like halfway through the first episode and i was in the i was like kind of doing something so i didn't quite catch everything but um, another show that I watch, which and you know Andrew doesn't watch, and you definitely probably don't watch, but um, is Never Have I Ever. Mm, Brenda is super into that show. Yeah, she Damn loves that show. show. I finished it. This was the last season I finished it, mm. and I like the way it ended. So nice. That's I good. was happy with it. So if you're into that sort of thing, definitely pick up that show. I'm glad because you know a lot of times shows, you know, for example, Game of Thrones, they just don't really. Oh, God, yeah. They don't really wrap it up correctly. I feel like shows are getting the picture more nowadays and quitting while they're ahead instead of like dragging it out, you know? I can respect that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, yeah, so this show definitely did, and I'm glad they did, and I think it ended well. Um, it was a happy ending, which, of course, I love. And, you know, I will say that for Mrs. Maisel as well. I'm glad they ended it with this season because I just felt like I don't think they had enough material to be able to keep it going another yeah. one. And I think this is another one too. I think that they that they, they were wise to end it when they did because it was starting That's to good. drag a little bit and stuff. So what what are you watching or have watched recently? I uh, just got back from the movies and saw The Flash, and I thought it was pretty damn good. I went to go see it because of Michael Keaton. Nice. I'm very fond of the 1989 Batman. A lot of nostalgia yeah. there. I always thought that Michael Keaton was a great Batman. Yeah, that's the one with uh, Danny DeVito, right? Michael Keaton did two Batman movies. So Batman 89 was the one uh-huh. with Joker. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was good. Yeah. And then, and then the next one after that was Danny DeVito? Catwoman and Penguin. Okay. Um, yeah, with uh, 
Was it a uh... Jack Nicholson? Thank you. I cannot remember his name. It was just like slipping my mind. Classic. I was gonna say Nicholas Cage, and I was like, definitely not Nicholas Cage. <laughs> but I think I was just thinking like the Nicholson, Nicholas. You know. Anyway, we, that's what we need. We need more Nicholas Cage. Did you ever watch uh, his movie? The was it like the immense weight of or the what it, his movie that that's all yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't, but I do want to. It's actually pretty good. I mean, it's not like the best movie in the world, but I was definitely surprised. Right, right. You know, it, this is kind of sad to say, but I'm starting to get some Pedro fatigue. Like, Aww. he's just everywhere. I can see that. Yeah, he's everywhere lately. But he does a good job of what he does. I mean, he did a good job in The Last of Us, and he does a good job in The Mandalorian, and he did a good job in that Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Afflictionados is available wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop on the first Saturday of each month, 5 a.m. Pacific. If you enjoy our content, give us a like or a thumbs up, and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much to the listeners out there for joining Stephanie and I. This has been Affliction Autos Podcast, episode 27, 21 Jump Street, and we will see you all in college. I'm talking to Uncle. Oh. Hi. He says hi. You can't hear him, but yeah. I can only hear him in my ear. Something it's <laughs> it's in your ear and a cat mouth. I mean, it's um, I don't know what's going. He knows what's going on. He's like, yeah. I don't know how this works, but I trust you.